Hello. And welcome to the, the Champagne Room Secrets Podcast. I am Candy slash Barbie. I'm Kitty. And we have a gorgeous guest today. Who are you? My name's Ivy Lemo. Lemo. God, that's a beautiful name. Beautiful name. So I think to start off, could you give us a little info on who you are, what you do? I'm a vent producer. I am a kinkster. I am a professional dominant. Uh, I am also a full-time student and a full-time <laughs> worker of all things. So I'm very, very busy. I do a lot. Um, I'm also a kink educator. Um, and I... Uh, I'm a native San Franciscan, although I live in Oakland now. And so I've been in and around the kink world since my early 20s. And in my late 20s, I really got super involved. And that's when all of my stuff started actually happening. And I started getting involved with all of the organizations and the things that I do now. Ivy is involved in a lot of organizations. You do a lot of work for the community, especially like underrepresented parts of the community. So fucking cool. So how do you guys know each other? We met at a panel for my college's uh, sexuality studies uh, department. The department has a fair every year and they have a panel with people who work in the field of sexuality. And so I got to hear a lot of stories from Ivy. Ivy is very funny and smart and a great storyteller. So I thought it'd be really fun to talk to you here. You called yourself a dominant. Do you prefer that over femdom, a pro-dom, dominatrix? Yes, this is something that I actually really struggle with, with my identity, um, especially being very femme passing and uh, being very cis passing. Sometimes you'll see me refer to myself online as Daddy Ivy. Um, yeah, because I get some very daddy vibes. Like, don't let this, like, long hair fool you. This is just an experiment in, like, reclaiming my feminine side. Um, normally I have very, very short hair. And I realized a long time ago that it actually did affect my business. When I first came into this into this world, I had very long curly hair and it was very feminine, very cute. And I've got dimples and I have this cute oh. voice. And I'm like, don't let this cute face fool you because I'm a murderer. Definitely the Bay Area sweetest sadist. Then I cut my hair off. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, no, this is, this is me. This is me and my full authentic self. And this is where I wanted to be. And then I started to move a little bit more towards that, that non-binary androgyny look and my business went Wow. Yeah. Cause most of your clients are, I'm assuming straight men. Yes. Yes. I understand that while I did move more towards my masculine side, I was still not the classic non-binary mm. Bay Area person. Mm -hmm. right. And so other people who had that look were the people who were attracting those clients. Gotcha. So you weren't like far enough over to that, like what people may think of as like an ideal non-binary non-binary aesthetic which obviously is just stupid like we can <laughs> we can all agree that but like people maybe like didn't think you were non-binary enough yeah. so you're kind of like in a weird like in between yeah, it's a story of my fucking life right now because yeah. i'm always i'm 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 too light-skinned to be black i'm too dark-skinned to be mexican i'm too femme to be masked i'm too masked to be femme i'm too loud i'm too soft i'm too nice i'm too mean I live in this world where I am just walking the thin line in between everything. But 
to be honest, like, I feel like that's my strength. I like, I love to exist in that duality and I love to exist in this gray area in between, but that's not what everybody wants. What people really want is they want like clear cut. You are my fantasy. And if you don't hit the fantasy, then I'm going to move on to somebody else who does. It's hard to market yourself when you're three dimensional. (laughs) How did you get your start? What was your first foray into being a professional. My first exposure to all of this would probably be I was working as a hostess. It was my first, second year of college, and I was trying to make ends meet. It was really hard. I had, was working three jobs, and I finally quit all my other jobs to work this job because the tips were really good and was able to pay my student loans. And there was this other hostess who was older than me, recently divorced. She was very elegant in the way that she walked, but like she hated this other woman and this other woman one day she was just like I don't give a fuck about this bitch I make more money doing my other work anyways um and she would always like want to leave be the first one to leave of the two of us because she's like I have a date I have a date I'm like well good for you being like recently divorced and getting out there and all that but then like she kept on coming back with like these new purses and you know one time this limo came and picked her up and I was just like what's going on and she's just like have you ever heard of the website Ashley Madison. Oh, like, throwback. This is- I'm just like, what are you talking about? She goes, you would do so well there. She's like, you're young, you're intelligent, you know what you want and all this. And I'm just like, okay, so like, what is it? And then she's like, okay, so my other job is I'm an escort. I was like, wait, so you like sleep with rich men for money? Is that what the limo was about? And she's just like, no, 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 no. She goes, She goes, you have to remember, like, I'm divorced, but I also have multiple degrees and I'm really well read. She goes, I literally go and like have dinner with these men and we like discuss politics and I go to parties and these and the other. She goes, and I only sleep with them if I want to. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, so you don't have to sleep with them if you don't want to. You can just go and be like eye candy, but also you're intelligent. So they would really like you and you would be well connected. And she was really trying hard to get me uh, to like go to this website. And she's just like, well, like, what do you are interested in doing? And I'm just like, um, well, I'm actually interested in the other stuff. Like, (laughs) She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because at that time, like, I knew I was kinky, but I didn't really know how to say it. And I was just like, is that something that I could do? Like, because I don't really want to sleep with strange men at that time. But like, I would not mind beating them up. (laughs) But she did get me thinking about like what it is that I wanted to do and how I could. And she's like, you could pay your whole school. Like you could pay off all your student loans with this and it would be easy and it would be fast. And I was just like, oh, and so then I started researching professional dominatrixes and I found places like the Gates and Fantasy Makers. And there were a couple of other houses at that time in like the early 2000s. And I was like, well, maybe this is where I need to go and like get some training and do all the things. How did it feel when you finally broke into being a professional dominant? It was terrifying. A lot of people like, oh, it was so freeing. It was so wonderful. I'm like, no, it was terrifying. I had just lost my job. I had just gotten a divorce. I had moved into an apartment and spent all my money. I had my friends helping me. And it had been a fight to get to it. And like as soon as I thought I had a moment of like safety and thought, okay, this is when I can start my journey and to like be who I always wanted to be. Then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, surviving instead of like I had made all of these plans in the months leading up to my big move of like how I was going to like softly land into this career 
And then I just crashed into it. Ugh. Brutal. Yeah. So everything that I had planned to do, like all of my, my website being launching, all of like getting my clients and seeing them in person, like all of the stuff that I had built up for six months crashed and burned. That's devastating. Yeah. Because yeah. that like stuff is a lot of investment. It's a lot of investment in time and like money. Like it takes a lot to like build your website, do all your rates, all your services. Like, yeah, it's just so people a... who don't do the work understand. Like, yeah, so I spent a annoying. long time like deciding if I was going to go to a house and be trained or if I was going to use the skills that I had learned in the community all the years previously. And that's where like where I was. I was like, I use, I had entered into the community side of kink for a very long time and I had developed my skills there. And then I was moving into the professional realm, which is also in itself very hard because people see you as a community person and not as a professional and so it's really hard to transition there and the community is not always very welcoming when you move to the professional side Um, but I was very lucky in that the people around me were very supportive of it all I had like one friend who was a best friend who who was a hundred percent online I had gone to her in I think January or February before the pandemic and that's when she had started to try to like kind of get me clued in on the online side but I was really going to her for photos and editing and website design and things like that but she was like trying to give me more information I was like okay cool thank you and I really wish I had like like paid a little bit more attention to like what she was trying to tell me about online work and then March comes around and boom I'm stuck in all online work 100% online work just trying to hustle I'm terrible online, to be completely honest. I'm horrible online. I'm much, I'm so much more of a people person in person. Mm-hmm. And plus, all my skills were geared towards in-person things. I had spent so much time learning from other pro doms about in-person dialogue and, like, interactions with clients. Did you find that you had a different, like, specialties or niches that you had to adjust to online versus what you would consider, like, your skill set or your specialties in person? Oh, Yes. Definitely, yes. I probably developed more of a callous um, and mean persona online. (laughs) Uh, It was definitely geared more towards financial domination, obviously, because that's where you are getting a little bit more money. Um, And then a lot of sexting. Like you said, I I think I'm really known for being a really good storyteller. So I actually did start to really enjoy weaving these intricate, beautiful stories to jerk off to. <laughs> now that I think about it, like a lot of my clients who were into like sexting with me and and being online in that way were more femme presenting people. So that was really exciting because I don't actually get that much in in in-person sessions so online you're very mean or uh, like an erotic novelist in person what's your thing I have both been complimented and also complained about (gasps) where are they (laughs) about being rather sweet but also on the flip side being incredibly deviously mean I love torturing and taunting my clients my favorite ones though are the foot fetishes one because they're usually really sweet but two they always know exactly what they want so it's really great to craft a scene with them because they are particular 
And so they'll tell you exactly what gets them off and what gets them going and why. Because, you know, you got to know the, the why. why. Yeah. I love the why. Yeah. That's, which you don't Ooh. get from other, you don't get from other areas. Like, you don't know why. They're like, I don't know. I just like it. And it's yeah. like, okay, but no, like foot fetishists know why they like what they like and they will talk at length about why they like what they like. And that I find really fascinating. So that like gets my brain going about what to do with them. But I also really, really love just being incredibly sweet to people while being really, really mean to them. Like if you are crying and I'm just like, it's okay, sweetie, it's totally fine to cry as I'm just like twisting something into your body and you're just like, you know, like, like, ugh, it's so nice to say no all day long. <laughs> the sweetest, meanest daddy in town. And then, oh my gosh, when daddy is disappointed. Ooh-wee. <laughs> just watching someone's face, like their whole world crumble mm-hmm. when you tell them that they're you're they're you're disappointed in them but it's okay because by the end of the session you have built them up in a different way and then you're proud of them again like people be working out their trauma <laughs> that's powerful i'm yeah. like getting a little misty thinking <laughs> we often talk about the salacious and fun aspect of the work but there is like a lot of like trauma work Mm -hmm. that is so important that sex workers do yes yes it's important as a sex worker to also be trauma-informed and to work on it not only about your yourself first and foremost and about the things that you need to work on personally like i have a therapist i have supportive partners i have like family support systems that like know people who know what i do and things like that and it's important to protect yourself and to work on yourself through this but like it's also important to have those conversations with your clients, especially return clients. That's how you get return clients because they're there to they're there to play out a fantasy, but they're also a lot of times they're there to spend a moment in time when they are trying to be this authentic part of themselves that they don't feel like they can express anywhere else. And that can manifest itself in so many different ways. Like sometimes they just want to be beaten. You know it, and that's fine too. But other times they really are trying to work something out and to like find a space and the words to describe this feeling or this experience that they want to have. And to be a facilitator for that is what's really fulfilling. Do you have any like standout stories or clients that have like really touched you? I feel comfortable sharing this because I've had more than one at this point. Gender affirming sessions for people going into surgery. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've had more than one at this point, and I really actually enjoy them. Like to the point where, like, I almost don't want to charge for them because they leave me with such an amazing high and feeling so elated leaving them. Um, and it's both top and bottom surgery, so that's nice. Um, and so they'll come to the the couple of them come to me saying, "Hey, I'm going into surgery, and I'm looking to have these experiences because a part of me is changing. Like for instance, for top surgery." Sometimes it's I don't know what my body is going to be like after because a lot of people who go through top surgery, they have changes in sensation in those areas. Sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. So they kind of go in knowing that there's a part of me that is leaving and I'm fine with that because that's what I want. 
but there's also an unintended consequence of I might not be able to keep my nipple. I might have spots on my chest where there's no sensation because nerve lines had to be cut. And like people who are going in for bottom surgery, the same thing. They're like, there's always a chance that I might lose certain aspects of sensation down there. And so while I will be whole and and who I want to be, I might also lose an aspect of my sensuality or my sexuality that I didn't intend to to do away with. And so a lot of those sessions are around experiencing a full range of sensation in those areas okay. and also saying goodbye to them. And each person has a different way that they want to experience it. Sometimes it's like really sadistic and that they want to feel the most extreme of, of sensations. They want to have like, they want you to say like good riddance, like fuck this part of me that has always <laughs> fucked me up and like, thank God it's leaving and goodbye. And then there's other sessions where it's like, remember these feelings because they have always been a part of you and just remember that that they are going to still be there but differently and wow what a beautiful experience what beautiful privilege and wonderful like how wonderful it is to be you in this moment because you are taking the step to be who you need to be and so it it really does change like to, from person to person and I love those sessions I love them so much those are like the ones that I don't even want to charge I swear like, I call that a, I'm not really the same I call it pro boner work yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's pro boner work for sure like those are the ones that really feed my soul and they're they're very few and far between but like yeah, all genders like seek out those experiences. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's like, incredible. And I think it's just something that people don't hear about mm -hmm. ever, mm -hmm. right? Like unless yeah. they're having like these like one on one conversations. So I really yeah. appreciate you bringing that. Yeah, it takes a it and it takes a lot for people to do that because they're like usually don't know what to do. And I always tell them like you should go to a provider. You should go to a professional because they are the fantasy builders they this they this we do this for our work like our job is to build this space for you this liminal space for you and if you don't know like if you don't know how to accomplish it i'm sure a provider probably will have an idea of how to do it even if they can't be the one they'll be like well i know somebody who has a space who could probably do that for you were you a kink educator before you started doing predominant work or did those kind of happen around the same time i was a kink educator for years before i very cool, started doing pro very work. cool. what do you yeah. teach i teach rope bondage i had been in the scene for a little bit in other areas especially like in the club scene for a few years before that and then of course growing up in san francisco we always were around it but then and I'd left a really bad job. I had time on my hands and I was like, okay, it's time to explore and do this thing that I've always wanted to do, which is like, see what rope bondage is all about. So event work. What is that? What are you up to? When I was at Vox Body, I had the conversation with Blue, the owner about like, you know, knowing that when I walked into a rope studio that I was going to be probably the only person of color in the space but then also she coming up to me and saying you know i i know this and i see this and it's a problem and i don't know how to fix it mm -hmm. um and i'm like well you really don't because you're our, our, our white woman you are not you are only limited in what you can do for those people in those communities and she's like well i obviously i can't be hands-on about this but i can offer 
knowledge. I can offer resources. I can offer time. I can offer money. Like, what can I do to facilitate that if that's what you want to do? And ultimately, we like went back and forth for a while. And then we started kind of saying, okay, but what does the POC community and the kink world want? And realizing that, like, we didn't really have a clear idea of that. So I was like, well, the easiest way to do that and find out is to ask them. So Kinky Colorful Conscious came out. Um, and KCC was a roundtable discussion group for people of color who were kinksters of all levels, of all modalities. And it was, you come, you share meals, you talk. I would say like 2018 was like the golden age of like POC kinksters in the Bay Area where like all of these groups started forming, all of these events started happening. And so that's how Soul came to be. We were just like, we want to have a party that's more often. We want to have a party that's in the city. We want to have a party where everybody can be themselves and fuck each other. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. As you said before, like, we're very, very spoiled here in the Bay Area. Like, oh, yeah. Can't nobody do it like we do here. No. <laughs> yeah, for people about, like, who are kind of, like, in their smaller here. towns, like, it's, it's really you know, hard. What chance do you have to find, find these people. kind of communities? But I think with the pandemic happening, we've seen a big shift towards online curriculum um which you know is both a blessing and a curse why would you consider it a curse because there's just stuff that you can't learn online to a to a degree where it is safe for you to practice you can learn a lot of theory online but in practice there is always going to be a deficit if you don't have a in-person person person. like i can teach somebody to spank online but i'm not there to see you do it. I'm not there to hear the sound of your skin on their skin as you spank them. I'm not there even even on camera. It's like because I taught online during the pandemic, too. And it was hard. It's like hard to see like somebody's like skin, like warm feel not feel the warmth of their skin as you know, like when you feel someone's butt and like you feel like the the blood coming up to the surface as you're working on them and warming them up. Like a lot of those softer skills get lost in translation when you are teaching online. I've had people come into the strip club. They're like, I'm a dominant and I want to like, whatever. And I don't do that. I'm not like, if somebody has to tell you that they're a dominant, (laughs) it's embarrassing, right? Okay. So like I used to work as a professional chef and the boys that would walk in, this is how I knew I was probably needed to be a dom too. Uh, Cause I would love to make them cry, um, but like, I would, I, there were so many ways you could break them professionally without ever having to touch them. Like, especially when they walked in and they saw me as this young thing and like being like the sous chef too. And they'd be like, I'm a chef. And I'm like, who gave you that title? Cause in the chef world, you don't call yourself a chef. You have to be given that title. Well, I went to culinary school and I'm like, so did I bitch. Like I went to culinary school too. You don't see me calling myself a chef, but I am your chef. So you can go and wash dishes. If Thomas Keller can wash dishes at the French Laundry at least twice a week for the last 10 years, so can your ass. So I'm going to need a restaurant where the kitchen is like, an ex- you know, one of those like exposed. Yeah, yeah I want to open like a kitchen, kitchen but, but, it's, but, but it's you. But then, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> you need a chef. chef. And then all your suits and all your people are just, just like scared. And you they have the beautiful like rope tie yeah. on them. They're like made to you. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my god, I would do that. I would do that. I've always wanted to have a scene that played that out where like I'm in a kitchen with a submissive and like they have to cook for me. We've talked about online and in-person sessions. We talked about 
community work, education events. Um, I guess big question, big takeaway in all of these different avenues, you've been a professional in kink. Um, what have you seen as through lines for you in these different types of work? For me or for my clients? I'll take either. That's yeah. For clients and attendees, et cetera. They're really just looking for a space to be. Everybody is just as nervous as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like they always think they're the only one in the world who is like scared to show up. Mm -hmm. And it's just so common and it's so like true. Like take the leap and do it. You'll be fine. Like just keep coming back. For me, the through line in all the things that I've done is really my desire to make friends, but also I'm a people watcher. Yeah. I am such a people watcher. And I think that everything that I've done has secretly been to facilitate the perversion of watching people Ooh. do these intimate things together. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, for me, what really feeds my soul is the is the ability to, like, an opportunity to watch other people do a lot of fun stuff. That's incredible. I love that. I love people being freaks everyone's kind of a freak but not everyone oh, doesn't want to like show it or like be honest and like open about it everybody's a freak in some way absolutely okay i would love for you to share with us if people what if they want to book you could they like find you somewhere like your website you can always join my mailing list i have quarterly musings i don't do it every month anymore um but usually it's like what have i been dreaming about and fantasizing about lately and every once in a while you'll get like updates on like what I'm doing and if there's any events coming up that I'll be at you can find me on Instagram mostly although just just as a note like I am very politically involved I don't think that kink exists in a vacuum free Palestine like that is where I'm at right now so if you sign on to my Instagram that is what you will see until Palestine is free and you can also go to my website theropekinktress.com I am also looking for a sub to help me revamp it we need subs to do the dumb technical stuff we're too busy and pretty to do it don't ask for fair trades do it because you love us exactly and hopefully in 2024 I'll have revamped to a new website and with all my current pictures that's so exciting yeah thank you so much for coming here with such a open amazing heart and being vulnerable and sharing about your work it's like i've learned a lot of new stuff today yeah. that was so rad thank, thank you thanks so much for having me you too we are having a fundraiser basically we are raising funds to provide worker kits to some street-based and survival-based sex workers the kits will include condoms lube wipes a taser yes and also mouthwash packets yeah <laughs> and i was like here's yeah. another one um so yeah we're raising money to fund these kits uh we're raising money through the podcast and also be in kitty's next drag burlesque show on december 21st if you're in the bay area so we'll have that all the info link yeah if you want to just um donate 14 dollars that covers one kit that helps exactly. yeah, I can go one person's dollars. shift basically yeah all right love and miss ya unless you're weird milk you later Ha <laughs> ha